Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by my guy, Chris Liutzi, man. How you doing, dude? I am doing good. Glad to be back. You know, we took a little bit of a holiday break, but we're back. It's almost playoff time, man. It's, it's an exciting time to be an NFL fan. I'm excited to talk some NFL with you. Man, you, dude, this is it, man. This is the final week, week 18, which is weird to say. Like, I still had to think about it. Man, we got 17 yeah. games, 17 games. And, you know, I'll tell you what the the <laughs> most exciting thing that happened this past week was obviously my Steelers beating the Browns, but it's because yeah. it's because it guaranteed Mike Tomlin another non-losing season. Like, this dude has 15 seasons without any losing record. Man, that dude, I, he's the best. I love that guy, and man. And Roethlisberger's so, going to retire without a losing season. That's that's, that. that's unique, right? too. So. As, as excited as I am for him to retire, that's unique. And I go, that's pretty impressive to have that as his uh, uh, stat in his record book. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I know they are talking about Big Ben to Canton to Hall of Fame. That's cool, whatever. I'm just glad he won't be a Steeler in 2022 uh, <laughs> for the 2022 season, I should say. But, man, look, at the end of the season, you all we always got playoff and implications and all that kind of stuff, but you also got some hardware to hand out, some awards to yes, talk sir. about, man. Uh, Coach of the year, man. Coach of the year. There's quite a few guys, specifically in the AFC, in my opinion, that you could kind of give the award to. But, man, who would you give this year's award for Coach of the Year in the NFL this season? So, Mike, I like you said, I think there's three or four guys that can reasonably win it. One of those actually being in the NFC, I think LaFleur is at least in the conversation. But my guy, Coach of the Year for me, is Mike Vrabel. I think – I know that the Titans have kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch here. You know, they lost Eric Henry, obviously, and their offense kind of went down the drain. They lost Henry, lost A.J. Brown, you know, lost uh, – Julio is always <laughs> – just seems to be perpetually injured at all times. But – with all that said, they're probably about to come in here and clinch the number one seed in an mm-hmm. absolutely brutal AFC conference. I mean, when you look at which every team deals with injuries, and honestly, you could kind of say the same thing with the Packers. They both dealt with injuries really bad all year. But the reason why I lean towards Vrabel and lean towards the, the Titans is he doesn't have an elite quarterback to lean on throughout all these injuries. Like, I mean, I like to have been very yeah. public about liking Tannehill, but he's yeah. no Rodgers, right? He's no Rodgers. And especially in their case, that offense runs through Henry. And despite Henry missing all these games and A.J. Brown and Julio, and I mean, they've missed a bunch of offensive linemen, you know, offensive linemen have missed games. They just keep doing their thing. And then they went in and just stampeded a Dolphins team that had been hot. I mean, I don't know, man. Vrabel's the coach of the year for me. It's really impressive what they've done. It, like, a couple guys could get it, but it's, it's Vrabel. He's been super impressive this season. Yeah, Vrabel's done an excellent job. I mean, um, you know, you can see that the team there, you can see his imprint on the team, I should say. Uh, Offensively, they're going to run and pound it, whether it's Derrick Henry or Deontay Foreman or Jeremy McNichols, like had Adrian Peterson for a few weeks. Like They're going to run the ball. And defensively, that Titans defense is—it's been a huge upgrade. They've actually played a lot better than they what what they did last year. Some of the moves they made, whether it's draft or free agency, uh, yeah. Mike Vrabel, man, he's definitely done an excellent job with this year's Titans team with Derrick Henry going down. We know everything runs through him, and to be in a position where they are now is definitely, I should say, very impressive by what he's done in Tennessee. But for Coach of the Year from me, Corey Bradley, my pick. It's not Mike Vrabel. I am staying in the AFC. I'll give you one guess if you 
can see who my prediction is or who it should be is if I had a vote. Taylor? It is not Zach Taylor. I hate the Bengals. Okay. No, I've, no, got no, 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 no. I've got one that I guess. But, <laughs> it, it's not okay, Zach Taylor. Same. It's not Zach Taylor. Okay. No, I have nothing, nothing wrong with him. He's done an excellent job. I, you know, we had our show weeks ago where I said the Bengals were this year's, or last year's Cardinals. Next year they would contend for a title. Uh, but, no, he's done an excellent job. Zach Taylor has done a wonderful job for sure with some of the rookies and the youth that they have on the team. But my guy – it's Brian Flores, man. Brian Flores, okay. in my opinion, man, I think he should be coach of the year. I mean, to have this Dolphins team, which no one knew what to expect going into this year, so much Tua talk and Deshaun Watson talk. And there was at one point there was talking about Flores and his job. I'm like, man, this dude has yeah. done excellent since he's reached South Beach. And they're the only team in NFL history to lose seven straight games. And then win seven straight games. So they lost seven and yeah. then they won seven. So for to have anybody, any coach on any team, and especially this Dolphins team, man, how can you not give it to my guy Brian Flores with no offensive line, no running game whatsoever? You're asking a second-year quarterback who's been banged up to carry this team. And that defense is that defense came along, you know, Middle half of the season, they really took off and kind of picked up where they were last year. It took them about eight games to do it. But, yeah, Brian Flores, man, coach of the year. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. He's, like you said, what they've managed to accomplish, with all, especially all the turmoil that team has gone through in the offseason, is, is super impressive. Now, I can't fault you for that, man, at all. Um, going on, you know, obviously there's, there's more hardware to give out. and let's, let's give some love to the rookies, man. So NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, there's kind of there was a good little debate for a little bit of the, of the year. You know, mm. you had Mac Jones and New England kind of rolling hot for a little bit, but uh, it, when it comes down to it, we're at the end of the year and you're giving the award. Who is your offensive rookie of the year? Man, there's really no debate. Like you said earlier in the year, you could have said it was between two guys, Mac Jones being one, mm-hmm. but. There's no need to even discuss this even further. If, if you have, if there's 50 votes for a rookie of the year, all 50 should go to Jamar Chase. Like this dude, yes, man, it's crazy. Like this dude didn't even, didn't even play college football last year. He set out with the whole COVID deal. Like, yep. but then here he is going for 266 against the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense that has been amazing over the last couple months. 266, 266, I should say. Three touchdowns. Uh, I was super upset with with Spagnolo. It's third and twenty seven. He bringing an all out blitz. Like, what are you doing, man? And you leave Chase by himself with uh, whoever the corner was. It didn't even matter. But it's third and twenty seven. Play zone. Yeah. Back off. And uh, that gave the Bengals that division title that my Steelers no longer could take <laughs> part of. So Jamar Chase easily, man, easily. No, yes, sir, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I will say special shout-out. They'll never win it because of their position, but special shout-out to Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a lineman are never going to win it, but they've been great playing at a really tough position, you know, tackle yeah. as a rookie. But, yeah, it's Jamar Chase. It's no question. Jamar Chase, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Most yards by a rookie, breaking his college teammate Je- Justin Jefferson's record uh, just from a year ago. So, yeah, Jamar Chase, Rookie of the Year, hands down. Now, what about Defensive Rookie of the Year? Who do you have <laughs> – in your pick, I think this is kind of a no-brainer, also. Yeah, this is another no-brainer. It's Micah Parsons. There isn't even, there shouldn't be any sort of argument for this. I mean, I, I just got the news today that he'll he'll miss Week 18 going on, or likely miss Week 18 going on the COVID list. But it doesn't matter. He's he's got the award locked up. He's Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's got 13 sacks. 
And that defense, I think it's almost an even bigger deal. And I've given credit to you for this, for predicting their defense stepping up like they have, but he's a big part of it, man. Like Parsons has like elevated that defense to mm-hmm. a new level. Obviously Diggs has gotten a lot of the attention for the, you know, all the picks that he's gotten and rightly so. But Micah Parsons, I think is what drives that defense. He, he's been so good and you don't see, it's, it's pretty rare to see edge edges come in as rookies or rookies come in as edge players and have an immediate impact. It's a tough position because you're out there on an Island against typically really good tackles. And it just hasn't mattered. And you got to think that wasn't even his natural position. You know, yeah. he, played linebacker and was moving all over the place comes in into the nfl they're just like ah injuries let's let's put him at edge see what happens mm-hmm. and he's been dominating it's impressive man dude yeah parsons hands down uh yeah i love what the cowboys did in the draft parsons getting kelvin joseph from kentucky you got uh I want to say nation right corner from oregon state like i love what the cowboys did jabril cox from lsu the cowboys draft of course, starting with Parsons, and they didn't even want Parsons. They wanted a corner. They were hoping for Patrick Sertain or J.C. Right. Horn. They wanted a corner, so it's funny how that draft kind of the way it fell and and Parsons falling in their laps. And you know when it really wasn't too much of a need. You know they had Jalen Smith and and Van Der Esch for sure. Uh, but it's like man, when you take the best player available. Sometimes this is what happens, just like they did with C.D. Lamb the year before. Mm-hmm. They didn't need a receiver, but, man, when a guy like that falls in your lap, you definitely take him for sure. Now, with the Offensive Player of the Year, man, Offensive Player of the Year, I know sometimes the MVP is one thing. Offensive Player of the Year is a totally different thing when that player that's the MVP plays the same side of the ball, which I totally don't understand. But who is your Offensive Player of the Year, dude? I mean, it's – I think most would agree it's between two guys. Mm-hmm. You know, two guys are having historic seasons, Mr. Jonathan Taylor, Mr. Cooper Cup. But for me, I mean, come on. It's Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Colts fan, sure, but I'm still going to run with Jonathan Taylor. 20 touchdowns, 1,734 rushing yards in this passing league that we live in today. And not only that, he has the most rushing carries in the league, yet he's still mm-hmm. tied for first in yards per carry. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. If you take his yards after contact, you like ignore all of his rushing yards before contact. Just take his yards made after contact. 12, 1,213. Mm. That's still best in the league. That's, That's ahead insane. Of he's a stud, man. Eight runs of 30-plus yards, so he's explosive. That's more than 30 other teams in the NFL. Teams, not just players. Mm. Taylor, is he's the guy, man. And as a Colts fan, when, when we come in to play other teams, everybody knows what we're going to do. Everybody. Yep. We have one other kind of notable weapon on off- offense and Michael Pittman. Hines as well, but typically Hines and Taylor aren't on the field together. So really, you know what we're going to do, and he just it doesn't matter. He, he's just dominant. He's a playmaker. He's explosive. He's everything you could possibly want to run it back, and he's my offensive player of the year, no doubt. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hands down Jonathan Taylor. Uh, like you said, like Cooper Cup's amazing. He has a he's had a fantastic year. Uh, each week he has never had any bad game. But like you said, when you know what the Colts are going to do and what they want to do, and he's clearly their best option, and you still can't stop him. Like that's where you know when they played the Patriots, and I got the Patriots on my fantasy team defensively, and they just ran through him mm-hmm. and went through the ball like he was like five of twelve, and then and I'm like <laughs> yeah. I just knew like I knew it was a risk starting the Patriots against this Colts offense, but I'm like I know one thing for sure. It's not going to be Jonathan Taylor that makes the day, and sure enough, it was him. Man, so, Belichick's mantra, right? Exactly, and and it wasn't that day, man. So Jonathan Taylor. Hats off to the former Wisconsin Badger. Love that dude, man. And uh, his his second year, and you can make an argument that he's 
the best running back you could. I know Derrick yes, Henry's down, but you really could make that because I mean Henry's a freak. He's a monster. He's a creative player type dude. But uh, Jonathan Taylor, offensive player of the year, no doubt. Yeah, he, he's that guy. And you know, since I, you know my team, my guy's getting some love a little bit. Let's go over to the NFL Defensive Player of the Year conversation, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna let you say your piece because we we know who this guy is. Uh, so I'm gonna go first and let you kind of finish with your piece. It's TJ Watt this year, right? So every year we, you've said it before on the show that, you know, last year should have been TJ Watt's year, you know, Aaron Donald steps up. And I think that Aaron Donald's kind of broken into that conversation where he's reasonably in the discussion for the award every year. Cause he's just that good. Like, I think he's the best football player in the league. Donald's mm-hmm. he's just special, but TJ Watt, what he's done this year is insane. He has 21 and a half sacks in 12, really 12 games he yeah. left two games injured but he's played a, a minimum season still and he's still just breaking numbers left and right and he's probably i assume gonna go and break i know it's an extra game but like i said he's still under that 16 game mark anyway so even if you freak out about the extra mm-hmm. added game, he hasn't hit that he's probably gonna go break the sack record next week i mean it, it's tj watt he's been what he's done this year is just special and yeah i mean I, i'll let you take it this is your guy man it's tj watt though ah <sighs> uh, man I don't even know where to start because I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of talking about him, that, that the love he did, he doesn't get. And it's always, as I mentioned, Aaron Donald's the best pass rusher. Miles Garrett is the next best whatever. And then you need somebody in the background to say, what about T.J. Watt? And it's, oh, yeah, T.J. Watt. Man, T.J. Watt, this dude has led the NFL in sacks since 2018, since 2019, since 2020, since 2021, and here he is now, like you mentioned, 21 and a half sacks, one game or one sack away from Michael Strahan's single season record, and he's missed a bunch of games or had to leave those games with that groin injury, and that also speaks to his ability and his uh, just just his tough mindedness to play through injury when the team needed him, and like I said. He's missed games. When he's missed games, or when he's left games early, we uh, we don't win, and it's it's no joke. So uh, he's definitely our most valuable player, and he'll finally this year become the NFL's defensive player of the Sorry, year. Deservingly so. Deservingly so. Finally, my dude TJ. Now, comeback player of the year, man. This is something that a lot of people don't think about. It's always MVP, coach of the year, rookie, and the offense and defense that we all talk about, but. Comeback player of the year is something that, you know, you had a guy who struggled the past season or two, whether it's through performance or through injury and durability. Man, who's your comeback player of the year this year? Who's your guy that, like, man, he he came back from with a vengeance from his injury or lack of production? Who's your guy? So, for me, it's down to two guys for me, but there's one that I think it's very clearly the winner. And for me, it's Joe Burrow. Mm. I, maybe it's his recency bias. Fine. But he, you know, last year he tears his ACL, MCL, his PCL. I mean, he, everything. His leg was just all messed up last year. Only to come back next year for the Cincinnati Bengals of all team, or of all teams, you know, who people have low expectations for anyway, with a head coach that they thought should have been on his way out. And they just clinched their division. Like you mentioned earlier that Cincinnati Bengals have actually won the AFC North. And Burrow has just been the driver behind that, you know, we talked about chase, but Burrow is obviously the signal caller 70% completion. First of all, that's mm. really insane. 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns. And he's doing it while being one of the most pressured quarterbacks in a league. That line is improving, but they've been, they've been, they've given up a lot of pressure and it just hasn't mattered. 
like I, I'll say this even he's not going to win it this year and he he shouldn't but like he's playing at an MVP level not just yes. comeback player of the year level he's Bengals have their guy man Joe Burrow's that guy and I think he's easily comeback player of the year what he's doing special I mean four touchdowns 400 plus yards in how many games in a row now I mean mm. goodness man that dude's special I, it's easily Joe Burrow Man, Joe, you know, and it's funny, like, you know, most guys, you can say their first name or last name, like Kobe, LeBron, you know, MJ, KD, yeah. but you say his full name. It's it's always Joe Burrow. You can't just say Joe. You can't just say Burrow. <laughs> For some reason, we got to always say Joe Burrow. And, man, him throwing 60 touchdowns in his final season at LSU, uh, you know, then the uh, not the Cowboys, but the Bengals getting the first pick, and it's like here we go again. This dude is in the AFC North with my Steelers. They also got Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, all former Heisman winners in the same division. You know, Burrow, man, he's that dude. He really is. I mean, the Bengals are the first team to have a four thousand yard passer, a one thousand yard rusher, two one thousand yard receivers, all at the age of twenty five or younger. So, man, and like you said, it was a big debate on if they should take Panay Sewell, should they take Jamar Chase, they took Chase, we see how Chase is doing. Okay. The, I, I would assume that they would heavily address the offensive line in this uh, upcoming draft. But So how can you go against Joe Burrow? Man, I don't know how you can go against Joe Burrow for the comeback player of the year. But that's what I did. I did, man. I went with Debo Samuel, man. I went with Debo. Uh, I know it's probably not a shock, but, uh, man, this <laughs> dude – his dude played like seven games last year. He was banged up, and even in those seven games, he only started five of them. So he was, you know, hurt the whole season, and it really showed in the Niners and how they kind of flew off the rails with all the other injuries they had as well. But this year, this dude has six receiving touchdowns for 1,310 yards. But the impressive thing, as impressive as those receiving numbers are, he has seven rushing touchdowns, man. Like they have, yeah. they've needed him to be a dual threat, like in a He's different just a way. Weapon. He's, He's a, a weapon, weapon, man. He's a game breaker. You just give him the ball. I'm, you know, I'm surprised they ain't put him at punt return sometime, man. But <laughs> you, you look at the injuries that the Niners had with Elijah Mitchell and Raheem Mostert went down first week and Hasty and Wilson. Like they were banged up. They had to play Samuel. And they played him in a different position, and he runs like a running back. He plays like a running back, although he is listed as a receiver. And as I mentioned, those seven rushing touchdowns, dude, more than Dalvin Cook, more than Aaron Jones, and more than Alvin Kamara. You tell me before the season that you knew Debo Samuel would have more rushing touchdowns than Cook, Jones, and Kamara? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, look, that's one of those – picks and when we say the player of the year coach of the year all that stuff your comeback player of the year i'm perfectly fine with that i mean perfectly fine with burrow getting it uh but man i gotta give love to debo samuel that's fair yeah debo's been special this year too i, I just had to go you know i talked up burrow in the mm-hmm. offseason and the Bengals. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know they'd play at this level but i, I had to go with my guy but not debo yeah that's fair too debo has been incredible this year man yeah you mentioned uh prior to our fantasy draft well, you alluded to that you had a sleeper, and yeah. and I and you said you gave me this much that he was in the AFC. Uh, I think that's what you told me that we I, we knew for sure it was AFC. So I, I was able to whittle it down and knew that it was Joe Burrow, even though I never said it until after the draft because I didn't want you to think like, okay, yeah. now I know <laughs> I'm gonna take this guy. I didn't want to you know ruin your board or whatever like that. But but yeah, Joe Burrow is that dude and. 
Speaking of fantasy, man, in this next segment, you're going to hear from me and Chris as we interview first-time fantasy football player Jeremy Holden and hear his perspective on his very first season and what it was like playing fantasy football, watching games week to week all throughout the day. This is what Jeremy had to say coming after our break. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Care Animal Center is a local business partner at The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. My guy, Chris Liusi, back with me again for yes, the second segment. And we're also joined by Jeremy Holden. This is his first time playing fantasy football in our league. Uh, so we wanted to get his take, his perspective on being a first-time player. Jeremy, man, welcome to the Sweet Spot. Thanks for having me again, Corey. Good to be on the show with both you and Chris. It's a pleasure. So coming into fantasy, obviously there's probably – I know you watch the NFL, but it's kind of like a whole different ball game. I mean, you're – you get kind of get to be your your own GM, and and you got the extra pressure this year. I feel like because uh, as as the one who leads our uh, our league, who creates a league anyway, that the settings are randomized when it comes to the draft. So it randomly selects who gets the draft where, and you got the lucky or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, chance to be the very first overall pick. So not only is it your first year, you got the first pick right out of the ball game, and obviously. You know, kind of rough this year. You took Christian McCaffrey, as most would, and you know that we all know the injuries that plagued this season. But looking back, which no one can fault you for making that pick, do you like moving forward? I guess would you want that first pick again? Like if you were to pick, I guess where you'd want to go. Did you like having that first pick? Uh, honestly, uh, if we could do it over again, I probably would not prefer the first pick because uh, just going in, I felt like I was pressured to take Christian McCaffrey, and again, like. You say, you know, it's nothing wrong with it. I didn't have a problem. Of course, you hate that he got injured. Uh, but preferably, I would have uh, liked the second pick so I didn't have that pressure to take a certain player. Now, man, you also had another interesting take, uh, and it's something that we discussed the night before the draft, and that was taking two elite quarterbacks. I know you took Lamar Jackson in the third round. You took Aaron Rodgers in the fourth. 
Man, talk about that two QB approach. I mean, is that something that you felt like worked in your favor, or is that something you would want to revisit uh, if you do play again? I think it could have worked in my favor um, if I played it right, and I think it still did. I think it worked in your favor, too, because you got uh, Aaron Rodgers on <laughs> But uh, going in, like I told you, I wanted both of those quarterbacks uh, for different reasons. Um, number one, I believed in both of them would help me out points-wise. But I also knew that at some point someone would want Aaron Rodgers or one of those so I could figure I can get me a, an additional player at some point that I wanted if I gave up one of those quarterbacks. So it was a, a two – part reason that I took both of those I wanted them both and I know I could use one as a trade chip and it did work I got a Josh Jacobs from mm-hmm. you <laughs> yeah because I did I thought I needed a running back and I think that benefit benefited you a little bit better than it did me <laughs> man I'll tell you that did uh affect my draft strategy because you know I've you both of you've heard my my draft reasoning and you know Russell's my guy I wanted to go Russell first uh as my quarterback I should say in the fifth sixth round and so my backup was Aaron Rodgers I'll get if Russell's not there I'm perfectly fine with getting Aaron just like I did in my other draft so uh yeah that definitely adjusted my plans I mean I ended up getting Russell anyway but when he went down you know I was in need of a quarterback so like you said you needed a running back in Jacobs I ended up getting Aaron Rodgers in that trade from you and uh you know, man, Aaron Rodgers, that dude, that that guy is amazing. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was proud to be on the 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 beneficiary side of that of getting Aaron Rodgers for sure. And to carry on on that, so we're talking about the you know Christian McCaffrey kind of like, again, you know, not your fault. You know, no one can predict the injuries, and you're talking about the two quarterback approach and whether if you like doing that, if you do it again, whether you didn't like that. But looking at what you you did do in your draft and throughout the season, what do you feel like you did well? Like, is there something, maybe a player that you maybe feel like you really nailed your pick? Is it the trade you made? Do you feel really good about that trade? What what do you think you did most well, I guess, did the best this season? Honestly, I think I got lucky more than anything because I picked up (laughs) uh, Connor and he was big time for me. Um, Seemed like all my other picks were... (laughs) They were just kind of mediocre. I got Mike Evans as a receiver. Um, he was solid, but a lot of times that's where I lost in receivers. I would have three receivers give me a total of 10 points some mm. week. So <laughs> I don't think I did a very good job of uh, in any position because even quarterback, you know, I, I had um, Lamar Jackson, but you see he got nicked up and then he had turnover issues going down the stretch before he got injured. So that hurt me some. And then I traded away Aaron Rodgers. So. Initially, I think that was my strong point, but then that, you know, decision-making and injuries and play mm-hmm. kind of, that fell back as well. So, I honestly, I don't think I did did great at <laughs> any position. <laughs> well, I don't know. The James Conner pickup was huge, like you said. I mean, not yeah. – I, I remember you can – I talked to Corey before this season. I thought he would actually be solid this year, but it, I, I'd be lying if I said I thought he'd be as good as he was. I know, obviously, he had to step up, you know, with Edmonds going down. But my goodness, man, he was just a stud this season. So, no, that was a huge pickup, man. Yeah, that's that's got to give yourself credit for that. I mean, I, we all had a shot to take him, you know, whenever yeah. we didn't. So, I mean, hey, kudos for that. And I'll even say Singletary with the Bills, he actually gave me some solid points throughout the season as well. And that was a pick that – you know, I, I needed a running back, so I picked him up. And I know that they throw the ball quite a bit. But fortunately, he would get some of the touchdowns when they got down the field. Yeah. So he actually helped me out quite a bit, too. Especially near the end. He was great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of weeks. 
Now, Jeremy, man, did you have any draft remorse? Like, you know, everybody has one pick or a couple, uh, hopefully not too many when you conclude your draft. But did you have any draft remorse, like anything you would have done differently that you continually thought about throughout the season? Like, man, I took this dude. I shouldn't have never taken him or I wish I would have done this instead. Did you have any draft remorse when it came to uh, the conclusion of the draft? Not necessarily over a single player. Like I say, I think the position that hurt me most was wide receiver. And I think I've panicked and I wanted a, a name more than projecting. You know, of course, it's going to be hard to say Justin Jefferson is going to have a big year um, chase. Mm-hmm. But I think I went with a big name. That's the thing that I'm remorseful about. I just kind of <laughs> I did the easy thing and went with the name instead of researching. But I did think that Evans would, you know, give me points. So I figured Brady would be targeting him, especially uh, near the goal line. So that's what I was banking mm-hmm. on. And then I made a move for Devontae Smith. Uh, because at the time when I made the move, Philadelphia was just throwing the ball all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then essentially they started running the ball. <laughs> so that kind of backfired. So if I would say it's, it's more than a player, it was more of a position that I have remorse on is the receiver group. Now, who was your most frustrating player? You know, it's always that one guy on your team is like, man, this dude's not giving me anything. Like, who was your most most frustrating pair, uh, player on your team? Man, I, th- I think I mentioned it to you. I don't know if you remember, but Claypool, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that one, again, I think I was wishful. I know that the Steelers, they let it go, too. They'll mm-hmm. throw the ball in the air quite a bit, and I figure he would be the guy – when it gets close to the end zone, that they'll target him a lot. But that was one of the ones um, that, that hurt me the most. And I actually uh, considered benching him this week, which, you know, I wasn't in the playoffs, the top mm-hmm. two. So yeah. I considered benching him this week. But when I had some injuries and some COVID uh, reserves, I, I ended up playing him again. And he uh, probably – I needed him to score about one – <laughs> one or two more points to get the win. Didn't get it, so he's oh, the one for me. <laughs> yeah, Claypool was – I was looking at your team before you answered that, and I was like, I feel like he's going to say Claypool. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's just been up and down, and lately it's been a lot more downs, right? But yeah. uh, Moving on, so you're obviously like already an NFL fan. You, know, you, you sound like you already definitely like know what you're talking about. But did playing – coming in and playing fantasy for the first time after already – being an NFL fan forever, however many years, do you feel like it, I guess, raised your interest in the game? Did you find yourself maybe watching more of it than you did before, or is it kind of about the same? I mean, did it? how did that impact you at all, if any? Yeah, it definitely impacted me. I, I, of course, I always watch football every Sunday, Monday. You know, I'm tuned in. But like I told Corey and I, I just our off-air conversations, um, I actually set – from 12 to the end of the day watching football now. <laughs> and I will watch a lot more teams. Of course, you have your certain teams you want to watch, or if it's a big-time game, you'll watch. But this year, I watch uh, – it could have been the Jaguars playing mm-hmm. the Falcons because I had pits, and I would tune in for that. So it's just – I watched a ton more um, games than I, I normally would. And I do consider myself a football fan. But I'll say this about fantasy. It, it actually made me think that I don't know as much as I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Corey can say this too. Even as 
I like to think we watch the game a lot. I mean, there's there's still people I'll find out that I've never even seen before, hardly just because of fantasy, man. Like some guy, like who's this guy who popped off for 16 mm-hmm. points? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I agree. I think it does help kind of raise awareness of at least a, a lot, especially a lot of the smaller names. Now, Jeremy, I understand um, the DirecTV had free NFL Sunday ticket for their customers this year, which I know obviously helped been able to track all the fantasy football players. Now, how did fantasy football change the way you watch games? Like, we know you were more involved in watching every game, but, like, if Debo Samuel had six catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, you know, in a full PPR league, you're like, man, that's that's 19 points. Like, you know, you, you got those fantasy eyes. Whenever you see stats, your your eyes are totally different. You don't even see stats how you normally would. You'd be like, man, this dude just had 24 points, and you could calculate it in your head before even looking at uh, the fantasy app, man. How did it change the way that you watch games as far as uh, looking at stats and things of that nature? Yeah, you know, you like I said, you have the teams that you want to win, and then you have players you root for, and then it gets to the point where you have a dilemma. <laughs> do you want your team to win or do you <laughs> want your fantasy person to score more points? And, of course, you're going to go with your team, but yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, man, I hope uh, he puts up yards if they lose. So you, you're watching <laughs> kind of with that in mind. But then, honestly, at the end of the day, uh, it goes back to you being a fan of that team. So, like I told you, I think I quit fantasy about 20 times this year. So yep. at the end of the day, I would feel room for my team, even though I might start out the day looking at the stats and hoping this guy scores and this guy doesn't score. So it, it, it made you look with, like you say, through a lot more different lenses. And it it, it was something, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, hopefully you still uh, – everybody has their uh, fantasy frustrations. Right? I mean, that just comes with the, with the game. I and mean, there's a lot that goes on, especially this year, you know, with COVID and everything. Oh my gosh, I got I got to sit five of my guys. You know, it's just one of those things. But if you were to play next year, and obviously you're welcome. You know, if you want to play with us again, hopefully you'll you know you enjoyed it enough that you'd like to play again. What is your biggest like lesson or takeaway that you learned from playing this year that maybe you think will help you going into next year? Man, honestly, throughout this year, because I I consider different strategies. I've heard other people's takes. I still have no idea what I would do next year. <laughs> I, I want to say that I would continue to uh, go with kind of the strategies that I took. Um, and I'll give you one of them was, you know, I told Corey that if I didn't get one of the top three or four tight ends, I was just going to wing it and just take them later. Um, and I end up taking Cal Pitts a little later and just hoping he would have a big year. And he actually uh, later down the stretch, he actually started doing pretty well. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would definitely do it again, um, but again, I have no idea how I would go into it. Um, I will say this. I think I would have a list of targeted players going into it. I didn't do that when I did the draft. I just kind of winged it. I knew I wanted these two quarterbacks, but after that, uh, it was it was all up in the air, so I would definitely be a little more prepared. <laughs> Man, yeah, Jeremy, you're, you're more than welcome to uh... – rejoin us next year for sure i'm telling you man i'm you know how much of a competitor i am and i hate losing anything and uh man i have a draft board i'm telling you going into the draft i have a draft board (laughs) on my phone and uh, our league was half ppr and other league i was in was was none ppr so i had to do a completely different draft board just because it's a different league so uh 
Yeah, yeah, draft board would be huge, man, and do it by position. I mean, even do it by roster breakdown. Like, okay, I want to take two QBs, four running backs, you know, six receivers, whatever your your goal as far as your plan is, man, definitely stick through that and, and trust the board as I tried to make sure I did this past <laughs> year uh, with our team, with our league. And, of course, let me tell you, this. I, I, one thing I need to do also, I don't even know if I knew the rules well enough. Like, I yeah. didn't know what who scored what by what. And looking at it now, I see that running backs, I see the importance of running backs in our league mm-hmm. um, because when they score, it, it accounts for more points. So that's probably one thing that I'll make sure I know how everything is scored so that can dictate, you know, the draft order or when I select a s- specific position. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest challenge, I think, is understanding how uh, how it's scored, what positions are actually more valuable than others. Like quarterback isn't as valuable as we think unless it's a quarterback right. that can also run and like a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, those type. Got Josh Allen, I mean, he getting one-yard touchdowns, killing my teams and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, man, like that's the biggest thing. I think that's the big, biggest understanding is how it's scored, which positions you should value more than others. And uh, I think that definitely sets you up for a good opportunity moving forward. Now, Jeremy, man, dude, appreciate you coming through the sweet spot to share your experience of playing fantasy football for the first time. And like we said, man, you're more than welcome to play again. I'm right there with you. I I quit every week myself, even when I end up winning sometimes. I'm like, man, this is too much, you know. So, uh, But, yeah, man, you're more than welcome to join us again next year if you like it, man. So thank you for stopping by. Uh, thank you, Corey. Let me add this. I'll say this one thing. <laughs> uh, I even tuned into the finals looking at you two guys' scores like it was a game. Uh, <laughs> I was watching the game looking to see who went up, how many of this, who needed to score for you guys. So that was actually entertaining as well. So um, I definitely will be joining it again, even though I did say people who play fantasy football is crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those now. So thank you again. Dude, I promise you, I'll tell you, I was one of those too. I used to pass by NFL Fantasy Live on NFL Network all the time. I'm like, man, ain't nothing on today. You know, like <laughs> that's how I would think. But then this year, man, anytime it came on, I had it on there watching it, man. Even if I was driving somewhere, you know, long distances, I had it playing on my phone so I could listen to it and which players to look out for. So, man, I, I totally understand for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's if you're competitive and you like to, to win at all costs any way you can, it's definitely uh, an interesting game to take part of. So, man, we appreciate you, and uh, thank you for always being a huge supporter of The Sweet Spot, dude. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center. 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL.
Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. Uh, you heard me and Chris talk to Jeremy in an interview that uh, – his first season playing fantasy and just, you know, he kind of alluded to the championship game between Chris and I. Chris Liuzzi is your fantasy football champion this year. Uh, Chris, man, congratulations, first of all, man. Take me through uh, some of the emotions, not only in the game itself, but just the entire season. Oh, no, first of all, thank you. Uh, but yeah, holy smokes. During the game, you know, he had talked about it. So people who don't know what it came down to is it was relatively close. I actually had a little bit of a lead on you going into that mm-hmm. Sunday night game or yeah, Sunday night game. And I had Justin Jefferson, which was Packers versus Vikings, you know, in that cold weather. And you had Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard. And obviously, you know, Cousins is out because of, of COVID. So he, so I figured Jefferson might be in for a potentially rough day. But on top of that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe Rodgers will just hit up Devontae and he'll run it all over him or something which they did in the second half. But before that, Lazard, you know, was dicing him up. He gets the touchdown. He puts up 16 fantasy points. And I'm, like, sitting there watching the score. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, gosh, no. And that basically ended up being the Vikings being beat so bad. It ended up being, you know, a boon for me because yeah. they didn't need to, to air it out anymore. You know, they were just – they were up so much. It just wasn't necessary, and I was able to hold on. But holy smokes, Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm, wow. Goodness gracious. Put wow. some respect on that guy's name. He mm. that's the only reason I won. I mean, my team really didn't have a crazy day. It was him and Allen were the only two that him and Josh Allen were the only two that really put up twenty points for me. Mixon was okay. Ronald Jones left the game hurt. You know, Cooks had a solid day, but really St. Brown, man. And I just, <laughs> just very grateful I picked him up, man. I, like I, we know off the show that was that was your guy for a while. Yeah. I, I hadn't, I kind of was hands off of him most of the season. Just kind of picked him up just to see what happens and got very fortunate. But yeah, shout out to Amon Ross St. Brown. That is the MVP for me, Finals MVP at the very least. And what became a very close game against you, obviously, you know, it was a. It just always seems like it every single time we play, man. It's a close game. Always, man. Like, I mean, even last year, opening season, I lost by, like, a point. Uh, Saquon <laughs> Barkley making that catch. I remember, like, it was yesterday. Yeah. And then we played again, open the season again this year, and I lost by, like, five points when you had Cooks and Corey Davis go off, the best yeah. game of his, his of his NFL season. And uh, But, yeah, man, dude, congratulations. Like I said, like you said, St. Brown was the guy that carried you. And, you know, I didn't – there's no way – I. Not saying I didn't expect a big game from him, but I didn't expect that. I did not expect no, that at all. And so, yeah, I got, you know, obviously you look at each other's it's matchups. Tim Boyle you look at starting too. Tim Boyle. <laughs> it's Tim Tim Boyle. Like, it's not Jared Goff because Jared Goff loves his slot receivers. That's why him and Cooper yep. Cup was nice. So St. Brown came became that guy for Jared That's Goff in the slot. That's why I almost didn't play him. I told you I almost didn't even play Brown because of that. I was like, ah, I don't know, man. And- and it's Tim Boyle. Like, they were in Seattle. Like, they gave up 51 points, but they scored 29. Like, the Seahawks are garbage. Fire Pete Carroll or trade Russell. Y'all got to do something. But, yeah, that that broke my heart, man. Um, Like, I didn't expect St. Brown to, to have the game he did. I was getting out of basketball practice, and I looked at the – the, the, the games that were ongoing, and I looked at St. Brown. I'm like, why is Chris up so much? And it's St. Brown, 
And I'm like, they still got the fourth quarter to play. So I was just, I was, I was so focused on my basketball team that it really, I really didn't hit me until like, I really lost the championship that game that night after Rodgers being benched. But um, that's when it really sunk in. But prior to like all Sunday, obviously I'm watching games, but you know, I had so many teams, so many guys playing when I was practicing that I really wasn't worried about it because it was Kittle going, Samuel going, and Elijah Mitchell all playing when I was mm-hmm. practicing. So uh, when I saw coming back, you know, out of practice that how down I was, I was like, man, St. Brown is the reason that I could lose this, this game. But St. Brown was the guy for your end. On my end, it was not playing Justin Tucker, and that's what – uh that's what's been eating up me, eating with me ever since, man. That I benched Justin Tucker to play Harrison Butker, yeah. probably the best two kickers. But uh, I played the wrong one. I, I, I played the wrong one. I will say this, and I, I think this is actually kind of cool to think about. I don't know if you looked at this, but ESPN has a transaction counter where it shows how many trades you've made. Oh, me and you for sure. Me and you, yeah. And yeah, I think it's kind of telling, or it's pretty cool anyway, that me and you, who were the final two, also had the most acquisitions. You know, mm-hmm. it, you got to work those waiver wires, people. Like, yeah, and I know it can be kind of tough to to, to drop someone, especially if you draft them a man. Yep. If they're not doing it, hey, go get you somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you got to yeah. do it. Yeah, and, and and shout out to Hunter Nunley too. He said the same thing. He said, "I don't think it, it was a coincidence that the three people that finished the highest." Where uh, was me, you, and him who all led in transaction transactions on the waiver wire and trades and all that? So yeah, it's it's keeping up with players that you normally wouldn't care about. It's like you said, dropping a player or trading somebody that you drafted mm-hmm. that you were high on. Like I did with Tyler Boyd, you know, I had to trade him. I, I dropped him. I just dropped him. My brother yeah. picked him up. But Mike yeah, Davis man, sermon for me. My, yeah, yeah. So it's like pulling the plugs on those guys that you believed in, and all of a sudden you don't. So. But yeah, shout out to my guy Chris Lee, champion. Uh, man, like I said, dude, you're tough. You 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 have a great strategy. It's always going to be a challenge going against you in any league. So uh, man, shout out to you and congratulations on being the, the victor, man. I appreciate that, man. It was a lot of fun this year. And looking ahead to next year. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the Sweet Spot.